everybody welcome to the export i'm raven x and alongside me as always is biggie aka ethan tay aka somebody who is also incredibly excited for the football season to start and tomorrow night thursday we are going to get some football the jets and browns are going to be playing in the hall of fame game I know that it's just a preseason game, doesn't really matter in the long run, but for you, what is something or a storyline, player, whatever, that you're most excited to see tomorrow night? From the James Brown? Is it James Brown? Mm-hmm. Um, from the Brown side, I don't know if you're playing, but your most disliked player in the NFL. Nah, he's not playing. Ah, uh, well, never mind. Yeah, it's funny. So, um, I did backtrack. Like, I was kind of going through a similar thing. Because, like, I use Sling mainly for NFL Network and, like, to watch wrestling. But um, I have an antenna. But, like, the whole time I lived in Iowa, it did not work. So, like, if I wanted to watch football, like, I would have to use, like, the NFL app or NFL Plus, whatever it's called now. Or, like, Sunday Ticket. Like, but just basic cable channels, they did not work. So, since I've moved... It's been fine. So I hope it still works tomorrow night because the game's going to be on NBC. Um, but I'm I'm just ready for some football. Uh, but for me, storyline-wise, I want to see Zach Wilson. I mean, coming off of last year, I mean, everyone was kind of hoping that he would take that next big step, and he didn't. Now he's going to be the understudy to Aaron Rodgers, and nobody expects him to take Aaron Rodgers' job. But um, Aaron Rodgers has mentioned that he's given him a lot of tools and a lot of advice throughout training camp. So I just want to see him kind of put that into practice. I highly doubt we're going to see uh, much Garrett Wilson or anything, but let's see if he can take some big strides or at least has shown some improvement since the last time he took the field. Um, and with regards to the Browns, uh, I don't know if my main man Grant Delpit is playing. But I hope he does play. If, if you guys don't know, Grant Delpit is a former safety who went to, you guessed it, LSU, one of my all-time favorite defensive players to come out of the bayou. And, I mean, this past season he really turned things on, especially when he was able to stay healthy. Um, and so I don't know how much play he's going to get, but I'm interested to see what his new role in defense is going to be um, now that he's the premier safety. John Johnson is gone. I don't expect uh, – Ronnie Harrison to uh, Ronnie Harrison, I'm sorry to take many snaps from him. So I'm interested to see if he's going to be playing out deep, if he's going to be playing in the box. Very interested to see what his role is going to be. But we got a great show for you guys. We are going to give our SummerSlam 2023 predictions. I'm going to ask Ethan his predictions here shortly. But later on in the show, me and Embryo, aka Chris Waters, go into a deep dive 
um, into our predictions as well as talking about the best case scenario for the WWE Women's Championship match, um, what to expect from the Judgment Day, who's going to cash in their Money in the Bank briefcase. We get into all that later on the show. But of course, we're on the NFL. We're going to discuss our top five best defensive players by position in the NBA. We're going to discuss whether or not the NBA is right to target Damian Lillard. But before we get to any of that, Please just share to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hear Ethan's SummerSlam predictions. Um, I don't know if you watched SmackDown or watched Raw last night, but they mentioned that they were going to have a SummerSlam Battle Royal. Um, it's a men's battle royal with an indeterminate amount of uh, men competing in it. But as of right now, I know Chad Gable's in it. I think Shinsuke Nakamura, Tommaso Ciampa, LA Knight, Sheamus, probably Pete Dunne, guys like that. Me and uh, Embryo both pick LA Knight to win because, yeah. But uh, what do you think? Who do you think wins that? Battle Royal of the mid Carters. LA Knight. Because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, it feels random, and he hasn't really won anything. And not that, like, the Battle Royals, like, mean anything anyway. No offense. But it's like, have him win something. Um, all right. So, let's go ahead and move on to Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Me and Embryo both picked Logan Paul. Who do you got? I got a Ricochet. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Ratface Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. But in an interesting twist, it is going to be by MMA rules. For those of you who stick around for like the more in-depth predictions, me and Embryo were both talking about how we thought that the match, because at the time it didn't have a stipulation. Mind you, we recorded this before Raw. Um, but MMA rules makes it a lot more interesting. But uh, we still both picked Shayna Baszler even before we knew that was happening. Yeah, I mean... I'm picking Shayna because this Ronda last match, so she she gotta take the L. I know, isn't it beautiful? All right, let's go ahead and move on to Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar, a match that really could use a stipulation. Uh, Embryo and I both said Cody Rhodes. Where are you going? I'm going with Cody. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how he wins, but I would be legitimately shocked if he didn't end up winning. All right, the Intercontinental Championship match. We have Gunther versus Drew McIntyre, and I have a confession to make. Initially, I picked Drew McIntyre, but after watching Raw, I'm going to change my pick. I think Gunther retains. Embryo also uh, picked Gunther. And I hope I'm wrong, but I still think Gunther comes out as champ. So, you know this, but this is probably going to be my favorite match on the card. This has two of my top five current favorite superstars in Drew and Gunther. Um, I I still think that Gunther is going to retain because I think they're going to let him break their record of the longest streak period. So, yeah, I got Gunther. That's fair. I Again, I was banging the drum for Drew, and I still am. But, like I said, watching this past week's Raw, it, it just feels like he's going to win. All right, moving on to the World Heavyweight Championship match. We have Seth Rollins defending his title for a third time against Finn Balor. I picked Seth. Embryo picked Finn. Ethan, you're the tiebreaker. Who you got? I guess Seth. I don't see the point. The only reason I feel like Finn is still in this world title picture is because of the judgment that angle with 
Damian Priest. Now, speaking of Damian Priest, do you think he attempts to cash in? Yeah, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. It's gonna be just like it's been all these other times. He's gonna attempt it, and something's happening that's gonna like that's gonna stop him before he actually does it. Fair enough. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the WWE Women's Championship match where Asuka is defending her title against the EST Bianca Belair and the Queen Charlotte Flair. This was another match that Embryo and I were split on. I said Charlotte. He said Asuka. Who you got? I'm going to go Charlotte. She hadn't been been around for a while, is my knowledge. And, I mean... Bianca's had a long reign. Oscar's had her little time. I think it's gonna be Charlotte. Now that you all will hear it later on in the show, but we get into a more in-depth conversation about why we picked who we picked. And just a little snippet is that is I feel like EO Sky is going to cash in. Um, do you think that we're going to see a cash in for the Miss Money in the Bank briefcase? I wouldn't be surprised if we did. To me, it will make it would regardless of who wins it. It will make more sense, in my opinion. It makes more sense for her to cash in at SummerSlam than Damian Priest. Agreed. Totally agree with that. Actually, all right. Finally, we have Tribal Combat for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns is not only trying to defend his title, but the fray. I mean, but his moniker as the Tribal Chief, and will be doing so against his cousin Jay Uso. I picked Roman. Embryo picked Jay. Who you got? This is tough because the way that everything's been set up is set up to have Jay win. But I don't know if WWE is willing to put that title on him. So I'm going to go Roman. Now, I'm going to pose to you the same question that I posed to uh, Embryo. I don't necessarily think that this is going to happen. But do you think there is a world where Jimmy comes out and costs Uso, I mean, costs Jay the match? Mm. No. Okay. I think... The, on, the only way I can see them doing that is because I don't really know what you do with Jay if he loses. And so I think that by having Jimmy come out and cost him some kind of way, I think that that sets up a major another major feud for him to be in that keeps him in the spotlight. But then how would I go about booking Jimmy back into the bloodline? I have Excellent. no idea. Actually, I changed my pick. I'm going to say yes. And the only reason I'm saying yes it's because I remember it was a it was an interview that I saw of them, and they said that their dream was to have a feud against each other. Yeah, I saw that. So, so this could be the perfect time to have it. Yeah, because you can you can have him cost them, and you can ride these feuds too. Mania. Wait, when is Mania? Uh, Mania is April, early April. So that's how many months? Shoot, this uh August, so what, for eight months? I mean, you could potentially I mean they wrote everything with the bloodline for this long. You could potentially ride a few like that for long, for a good chunk of months. 
Oh, a hundred percent. So I'm I'm gonna change my answer to yes because I think if they were to ever have a feud against each other, this would be the perfect opportunity in my mind to have to have it, especially with both of them kind of being still in the prime of their careers. Fellas, you feel you on that? I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. I mean, honestly, whatever makes Roman win, even though I do love me some Jay, but I'm still I, I just have a hard time going against our tribal chief. All right, but with every pay-per-view, we got to have a tiebreaker. And this uh, pay-per-view's tiebreaker is who takes the loss in the triple threat, meaning who takes the pin slash submission. I said Asuka. Embryo said Charlotte. Who do you think takes it? Oh, hate to see that. All right, now let's go ahead and move on to our NFL discussion and starting off with some t- retirements around the league. First off, wide receiver John Ross has decided to call it quits after um, re- spending the past, what was it, six years in the league. For those of you who don't really remember John Ross's play on the field, totally understandable. He's a f- former first-round pick by the Cincinnati Bengals, but more importantly is the record holder for the fastest 40-yard dash time um, at the combine, running it in 4.22 seconds, beating Chris Chris Johnson's former mark of 4.24. Also, former Super Bowl winning running back Sonny Michelle has announced his retirement from the league. He was a former first-round pick by the Patriots back in 2018. So, happy trails to both of them. Now, on to some more positive news Three LSU Tigers are making them some money. First, linebacker Quan Alexander is signing a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know why the Steelers are having this all of a sudden affinity for LSU Tigers, but I wish they would stop. The Panthers are bringing in linebacker Deion Jones. He's quite familiar with the NFC South former Falcons, so congratulations to him. And then after a lot of trade speculation between the Vikings and defensive end Daniel Hunter, they have agreed to a one-year $20 million extension to keep him in tow for at least another year we talked about how bad the Vikings defense has been over time and how we both thought it would be a mistake for them to let go of Daniel Hunter so now that they know he's back in tow how big of a move is this for Minnesota I mean I think it's a big move just simply because with keeping him in tow you can't get any worse than you were last year um which I mean says a lot I know that they have Brian Flores is their DC, um, so I think keeping that because they had the thing is the the minute the Temple not Timberwolves Vikings have talent on their side of the ball. They've always had it for several years, and so like I think that it'll be big because I don't think they'll make like a a huge turnaround, but I definitely think they'll be better than they were last year. I agree, especially if they can stay healthy. But kind of touching on what you said, like they've had talent on that side. It's just for some reason or another, it, they just have not been able to make it mesh together. And I hope – I like Brian Flores a lot, so I hope that he's the guy who can help them to do that. But at the very least, like you mentioned, having Daniel Hunter there is a big step in the right direction. But all right, let's talk some injury news because unfortunately, it's quite a bit. Starting out in Indianapolis, uh, backup running back Zach Moss is going to be out for the next six weeks with a broken arm. Um, going to Denver, wide receiver Tim Patrick is set to miss his second straight season after tearing his ACL in practice, which 
really sucks. Um, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams, Cooper Cup, and is going to be out for the next few weeks with a hamstring injury. His status for week one is TBD. Speaking of another TBD status, is my main man Joe Burrow is out with a calf strain. He's also slated to be out for the next several weeks. No word if he'll be able to play in the season opener. And then arguably the biggest blow of them all, cornerback Jalen Ramsey is going to be out for at least the next six to eight weeks after having meniscus surgery. Um, as we all know, the Miami Dolphins traded for him earlier this offseason. His addition has a lot of people feeling good about the team, making them into a quote-unquote Super Bowl contender. So with him off of the field till, like we said, at least December, how big of a blow is this for Miami? Um, I think it's a big blow for their defense, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a blow for their own overall record. Because they still have good pieces on their defense. I mean, it's basically the same defense that they had last year. But we both know that the Dolphins calling the card, at least last year on the first year on the Mike McDaniels, was their offense. And I know that they lost Mike Gesicki, but they still have Jalen Waddle, and they still have Tyree Hill, and they could very well add Dalvin Cook to their mix. And so. I think that, like, their record is going to – it's not going to take a huge deal. But, like, once he – I think what will happen is, is once he gets back and he gets back to being, like, showing signs of him being Jalen Ramsey, even if it was kind of, that like, similar to a down year that he had last year, that's going to give them a significant boost heading into the playoffs. I think that – I'll say it like this. It's a tough blow, but like you said, I mean, the defense is still essentially going to be what it was last year. I think the bigger question is, what Xavier Howard are you going to get? Because last year, Xavier Howard looked had some pretty shoddy moments. And I know that in his past and him being one of the top interception getters in the league, I get that. That gets him a lot of love. But I've also seen him get beat quite a bit. And so when you talk about the combination of him and Jalen Ramsey, you're thinking, okay, you get two top-level guys who can really help to help open things up. However, now that Jalen Ramsey's gone, can we see Xavier Howard step up to the level that he's been at? If he can, then I think they'll be okay. I mean, like you said, I don't think it's going to have a major uh, effect on their record. But I do think that if there can be some liabilities in that secondary, especially if their defensive front can't get any pressure, and that will cause problems. But like I said, I think they'll be okay on the back end, but not having Jalen Ramsey is a loss, especially considering what he would have done for your defense had he been out there on the field. But a positive note is at least he's not going to miss the entire year. And so when he does eventually come onto the field, it will be later in the season when the Dolphins will be looking to make a postseason push. So that could be good for them. But all right, let's go ahead and move on and rank our top five defensive players by position. For those of you who tuned in last week, you know we ranked our top five offensive players by position, and now it is the defensive turn. So we're going to start things off up front with defensive tackle. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll let you go first. 
All right, bet. Um, I'm going to start off from five and work my way back. Five, I'm going to go Quentin Williams. He finally got his money from the Jets. Um, last year was the first year we really, really got to see how bad of a man he was since being drafted out of Alabama a few years back. And I think that with the pieces around him, I think he's only going to get better, granted that he can stay healthy. So Quentin Williams is my five. For me at five, I have Dexter Lawrence. Um, he had a really good season this past year. The only thing was is that he had a lot of good key production against teams in his division and against teams that weren't in his division. He kind of looked pedestrian, so that's why he, for now, I'll just only have him at five. I feel that. Number four, I got your guy, Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, another guy who got his money this offseason. I mean, we talked so many for so many years about Kevin Byard being the life and soul of that Tennessee Titans defense. And then Jeffrey Simmons over these past couple of years has really stepped up into that role and really created consistent pressure in that front end. I know that this past year wasn't as good as the year before, but he still submitted himself as one of the best young D tackles in the league. For me at four, I have this is where I have um Quentin Williams again. Like you stated, he got his bag, and he finally started to show flashes that he can produce with the massive potential that he had coming out of Alabama. All right, number three for me is Cam Hayward. Hate giving Steelers players credit, but, I mean, in this case, it's due. I mean, he's been doing it at a high level his entire career. T.J. Watt goes down. He still produces 10-plus sacks. I mean, year in and year out, you know what to expect when you face a guy like Cam Hayward, and because of that, I mean, he has to be in my top five. Number three for me, this is where I got my boy, Big Jeff. On three of his jerseys, um, planning on getting the Oilers jersey. He's the he's the top guy on the Titans defense. And now that he's healthy, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to have, like, a really dominant season. All right, number two for me is Chris Jones. Now, I have to put this in specifics. If we're talking just based off last season, Chris Jones would be number one. Because, I mean, he had, what, 15 and a half sacks. I mean, he was amazing. Continues to be that guy who we can always talk about, man, the Chiefs defense doesn't have this. The Chiefs defense doesn't have that. They have Chris Jones. And even though everybody's offense knows that he's coming and knows he has to be made aware of, they just cannot seem to do anything with him. And so he's got my number two spot. We're in agreement at number two, and I'm pretty sure we're in agreement at number one. Yeah, until, I mean, Aaron Donald retires or he just totally falls off the face of the earth, I can't have a defensive tackle list and not have him number one. Also, I just thought about it. I'm actually switching Destin Lawrence for Cam Hayward. Okay, yeah, I was kind of confused you didn't have Cam on your list. Yeah, I had to to think about that for a second. But, yeah, I mean, now – in saying that about Aaron Donald, we both agree he shouldn't be the highest rated D tackle in Madden, but he's still a bad man. He shouldn't be not be a ninety nine. Let me just say he that. Should, nah, he shouldn't be a ninety nine. Like the highest, the highest defensive tackle should definitely be Chris Jones. Because if you're basing it solely off last year, he was the best defensive tackle in football. Right. But you know, Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. All right, let's go ahead and move on to edge rushers. Um, at five, I got Hassan Reddick. Um, really, after having a really good year um, with the Carolina Panthers, he goes to Philly and has a monster year and is finally starting to get some of that credit and some of that recognition that he rightfully deserves. And I'm giving it to him again. He was really 
I mean, on a defense that had a lot of studs, he found a way to make himself stand out and become an invaluable member of that team. We're in the greens with a son ready to get fired. All right, number four, I got Michael Parsons. He's a bad man. Nobody can tell me any different that he's not a bad man. But I have to see a bit more from him before I can put him in that top three conversation. That's tough because when you put it that way, I do agree. Actually, no, I am putting Michael Parsons in four because I just thought about the, the three guys in front of him. Yeah, he's definitely number four on that list. Yeah. Number three, I'm going Miles Garrett, another guy who year in and year out is going to ball out. No matter if he's facing double teams, triple teams, he has been arguably the most consistent player to ever – well, let me rephrase that. The most consistent defensive player the Cleveland Browns have ever had, and I don't expect that to change anytime soon, so he gets three. Yeah, he gets three for me as well. I think we're going to have the same exact list. Maybe, because two, I got T.J. Watt. If T.J. Watt was healthy all of last season, he would take my number one spot. I still believe that if I had to pick any pass rusher in the league right now, I'm taking T.J. Watt. But, I mean, I gotta, I'm just going to cheat. I'm giving Nick Bosa the number one nod because, I mean, he did lead the league in sacks and he won Defensive Player of the Year. I can't take that away from him, even though I'm still taking T.J. Watt over him. But at least T.J. – I mean, at least he was able to play last year where C.J. Watt had to miss some time. Oh, yeah. So we do have the exact same list because my number two was T.J. Watt also. Bet. All right, moving on to my favorite position, that is inside linebacker, a.k.a. off-ball linebacker, whatever you want to call it, as long as you call him. My number five is Devin White. I mean, I called him a few years back, what was that, in the 20, was that, 2019 draft, the EST of the draft, and he is that. I mean, he always shows off his strength, his speed, his intelligence, his versatility. I mean, whether you need him in coverage, he got you. Tackles, he's got you. Getting pressure, he's got you. He does just about everything, and I mean, he deserves all the recognition that he gets and the big contract he's eventually going to get to. Yeah, I'm in agreement with David White if I also, I really, I remember they had like the little, um, rumors that either him or Levante might have might have been leaving Temple. I was really hoping that one of my favorite teams would have been out in the finagle way to get him. But, you know, we always got an issue. Yeah, I mean, because what? Levante David was a free agent before he ended up going back to Tampa. And then, for those of you who probably remember, Devin White did request a trade. And I know Baltimore wouldn't have did it. But if they did, just imagine a, a linebacker room with Roquan Smith, Devin White, Patrick Queen, <sighs> simpler times. But who knows? Stranger things have happened. Maybe he'll be like, man, screw it. I want to go to Baltimore. I'm going to take a team-friendly deal. That's not happening, but a girl can dream. Uh, But number four, I'm going with his teammate, Levante David. Everything I said about Devin White, I can just copy and paste that for Levante David. He's just been doing it longer, and I think it's a little bit more impressive because he's doing it and he's older. For me, my number four, you know, I don't want to copy a list because I feel like we've been in agreement too much. I mean, the great minds think alike. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with number four, Levante. We might have a different three, though. Okay. Yeah, number four, Levante. Okay. My number three is Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is coming off one of the best years of his career, and I understand that the Rams suck. 
But he was amazing last year. And it just blows me how this man can't even get on the top 10. It's it just it's insane to me. So hopefully the Seahawks can be good so people can look at him again and remember, oh, yeah, Bobby Wagner is one of the best linebackers of this generation, and he has not slowed down at all. This is tough because I do, I do agree with the Bobby talk. But I think this is where we're gonna have a defer. This is where I'm gonna go with Demario Davis. That's fair. Demario was like a. It was tough between him and Dev at five. Demario is my very, very, very strong six. I'll say that. Uh, number two for me, Roquan Smith. I mean. It was amazing in Chicago, comes to Baltimore midseason, has to learn a new playbook. You wouldn't even know. Not only was he amazing individually, but he made everybody else around him better. You look at the defensive uh, stats before Rowe got there to where he got when he got there the second half of the season. Baltimore's defense looked like an entirely different unit. He ended up getting paid. He's going to be a Baltimore Raven for the rest of his career, and he's going to continue to put out great year because – He's a bad man. I'm not calling him Ray Lewis because that's 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 not fair. But I mean, he is easily the best linebacker Baltimore has had since Ray Lewis. Yeah, we're gonna agree at number two. He also gets to add the benefit of now he doesn't have a trash jersey number. So like, you know, even though I'm not a Ravens fan, I'm a Roquan Smith fan. So if I ever decided to get a jersey of a player that doesn't play for my favorite team. I could get one of a jersey number that's actually cool because 18 look, was hideous on the linebacker. I mean, you talking to somebody whose all-time favorite player is Peyton Manning, and <laughs> I'm, I love me some Justin Jefferson, so I will never talk bad about 18. It does look weird on a linebacker, but... It's different. I get it. Peyton, I mean, on Peyton and on Jay does it make sense because... The position, but like on a linebacker though, he he couldn't have fifty eight. Who had fifty eight? Michael Pierce, I think he couldn't have it. He could have, he could have got a like. It didn't even have to be like a fifty. It could have been like a forty five or something like that. Or who's wearing forty five? I'm at the scour my brain. But to be fair though, Dev wanted forty because that's what we were in college, but he couldn't get it. But I mean it. <laughs> It grew on me, obviously, because I love me some Roquan Smith, so it really wasn't that big of an adjustment. But, yeah, I see I see what you're saying. The zero looks dope. And then, I mean, his nickname now is Zero for the row. It's dope. Um, But number one, Fred Warner. I mean, it's going to be Fred Warner until – and I, to, I say this and not like it's a major gap between him and Roquan Smith. It's really not that big of a gap at all. But, I mean, he's just such a playmaker that, like, I got to give him the edge. Yeah, if you if if your list doesn't have Fred Warner at number one, you, sh- you should not watch football because dude's amazing. Yeah. As much as I want to be a homer, I can't, I can't feel like he's not. But he and Dre Greenlaw are not the best linebacker duo. I would honestly say that it's Levante David and Devin White. Yeah, as far as a duo, yeah. Yeah. And I don't really – and I think that – I'll say this. I think that Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner have a stronger case for that second spot, but Roquan Smith and PQ are, like, right there. It's very hard to distinguish the two, but number one is is Dev and Levante, hands down. But, all right, now you mentioned how if you didn't have Fred Warner at number one, what are you doing? 
Well, cornerback is another spot where I don't think anybody has the same top five list. So if you wanted some disagreement, we're going to have it now. Um, but, for, but for me at number five, I'm going Marlon Humphrey. Nobody talks about Marlowe. It's okay. It's fine. You don't have to because he's one of the few cornerbacks that not only started, faced number one wide receivers, but didn't give up a touchdown last season. He was amazing. And I think that people forget because the year before he battled injuries and it wasn't that great of a year, but he's totally bounced back and has been one of the most physical and consistent corners that the league has. So I got to go Marlowe at five. For me at five, I got Darius Lake. I got Darius Slay at four. Darius, the this past year was a huge year for big play Slay, so I give him four. And I got Marlowe at four. I respect that. Uh, three, I got Jair Alexander. Um, I know everybody looks back at that Vikings game the second time that they played and just, you know, him doing the gritty on Justin Jefferson, which was whatever. But truth be told, I mean, Jair Alexander's been balling all of last year. I mean, the defense overall had its hiccups just like the offense did. But as the year went on, things cleaned up and Jair Alexander was shutting people down. And again, he's not one of those flashy, big name cornerbacks. But for me, he he's easily top five in the league, hence why he's three. So we have agreement at three, but I will say this: from a from a skill position player, outside of Mike Gesicki, he had the worst gritty the whole season. It was ugly. It was very ugly. But I mean, hey, everybody's gonna try to do it. Um, number two, this is where I have Pat Sertan. I mean, he's a guy who had a great rookie season. This past season was very good as too. I mean, no cornerback is perfect. He had his bumps and bruises, but when he was on, he was on. And I mean, looking back at the Broncos, yes, their offense played like crap, but that defense was really, really good, and he played a big role in that, even when their pass rush wasn't up to snuff. So I give him the number two spot. Turns out our list is more similar than we thought because I got him in two, too. In my opinion, it felt like – I know he had his bumps and bruises, but, like, the only notable one that I remember is when Devontae Adams cooked him. Like, yeah, in overtime. The, yeah. But that was, like, the only real thing that I remember from him getting, like, from a standpoint of somebody putting up numbers on him. That was, People put up numbers on him, but that was by far the costliest pet. Like, that, that literally lost him the game. But other than that, it was rare he had that many hiccups. And then number one, again, it's kind of like with Aaron Donald. If I'm basing it solely off of last season, he would not be number one. But if I'm comparing his body of work to everybody else in the league, Jalen Ramsey is easily number one at corner to me. Okay, we do have a difference. Because my number one is the young guy playing for the New York Jets. Has arguably probably the best name in the NFL, Sauce Garner. I can't put a I can't put somebody in top five in a position after just one year. Like we had this conversation with uh Jamar Chase. Love me some Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase went crazy. But I can't put you top five in my list after just one great rookie year. You're right. When you put it under that when you put it under that because I I'm the same way. It will be Jalen. But like if I'm thinking about it from the context of this past season going into this season, it will be Sauce. I don't know. Like, Sauce was very, very good. 
Was he the best cornerback I watched all of last season? No. And so that's why it's like, I understand the hype. I think that it was, I had no issue with him winning defense or rookie of the year, even though Tariq Woolen absolutely had a case for it. And Aiden Hutchinson honestly had a case for it too. So I had no beef with him winning. But if I was just going to stand on the table and say he is the best corner in the league, nah, I couldn't do that. Top 10, sure. Top 5, that's, I don't know, I can't do that. Okay. I'm a, I can be, at certain points, with certain things, I can't be a hype beast. So that might have just been what it was. Yeah, no disrespect to Sauce, though. He a bad man. Please do not get it twisted. He was very, very good. But I'd be a hypocrite. Because if I, if anybody, if I was going to put any rookie in my top five, anything, obviously Jamar Chase would have made it. But if I'm not even putting Jamar in it, I got to stick with that rookie rule for everybody. So I can't put Sauce in my top five. But all right, safeties. This, this art list might look similar. Uh, Number five, I'm going Buda Baker. The Cardinals did not really have anything to be happy about last season. But when you saw a number three on the field, you knew at least something was going right. So I'd go boot at five. Yeah, I'm going boot at five as well. Uh, number four for me is Justin Simmons. I mean, I mean another guy who's just consistent. He's not the flashiest guy, but he always finds a way to get his hands on the ball, forcing turnovers, and kind of similar to like what I was saying about Pastor Tan. I mean, the defense – was amazing, and I mean, he played a really big role in that, even though he missed some time, but I still think he tied for the most picks in the league with, like, five or six. Yeah, my number four, um, what's the guy from the, no, 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 I'm going just the same because I was about to make the huge stretch. Okay. Okay. Uh, Number three, I'm going with your guy, Kevin Bayard. I mean, Justin, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is the best defensive player on the Titans right now, but it's not by a long, big margin. Kevin Bayard is a bad man. And, I mean, even though when the secondary and the corners have their lapses, you can always count on Kevin Bayard to make a play. Yeah, KB is definitely a number three because, like you said, like, he made up for a lot of mistakes by some of them young corners. I'm so – and I know he's going to do – do it again this year. Yeah, growing pains. But, I mean, hey, at least you got him still there. Um, Number two, Derwin James. I mean, if you need a pick, he got you. If you need somebody to lay somebody out, he's got you. And it's so good to see him back healthy and back on the field because he's one of my favorite safeties in the league and still one of the best. So, he's my number two. Yeah, he's my number two also. And then number one, Minka Fitzpatrick. I hate playing him. I hate seeing him. But I couldn't, I can't disrespect him and act like he's not the best safety in the game right now. Make as well. I will say this if Jamal Adams would have stayed healthy, he would have been in my top five. Oh, 100%. I'm the biggest Jamal Adams fangirl on the planet. I always find a reason to have him in my top five. He didn't play last year, so I technically couldn't, but don't let this man have a good year. He is going back in my top five, and I don't care what nobody says. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. And speaking of what people are saying, Sean Payton put his whole foot in his mouth when he discussed the Broncos' offense last year and called out the team's former head coach, uh, Nathaniel Thackett. To, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, to which he said, unsolicited, by the way, 
It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. He added, everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. And as everyone would have expected, people have started to come at his head, starting with the current head coach of the New York Jets and technically the boss of their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. Robert Salas said, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Obviously, we're doing something right if you've got to talk about us when we don't play you until week five. Adding on to that was Nathaniel Hackett himself to where he mentioned that he broke the coach bro code and where you're living in a glass house and by him making those statements, it felt very unsolicited. And then finally, Aaron Rodgers, who went on a whole tangent um, before eventually ending it with keep my coach's name out of your mouth. After all of the backlash that Sean Payton received, he went on to publicly say, I had one of my moments where I had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat. It was a mistake by me. I said what I said, but I need to have some restraint. Like Robert Salad mentioned, these two teams play each other week five. I'm sure that all of this is going to be bulletin board material leading up to that game. So believable or buffoonery, Sean Payton will regret the negative comments he made about Nathaniel Hackett. Believable, because I think he already regrets it. I mean, if he didn't regret it, he wouldn't have made that statement. Um, but I think from the standpoint of playing the game, in my opinion, the Jets are the more talented team anyway. I do think that I know Sean Payton hasn't coached in what since in how many years? Uh, I think he only sat out one year. Because he was okay. only with Fox one year. Okay, so yeah, I know he hasn't coached nothing but one year. I still do think that he's a better coach than Robert Salah. Salah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you got everybody on the Jets side, they want the smoke. Like, Aaron Rodgers hit bro with the Will Smith before he smacked Curtis Rock. Keep my, keep my coach's name out your mouth. He just missed two words, but it was basically the same thing. So, I never would have thought that I would have had an interest in this game going into the season. But I am going to try my hardest to make sure that I watch this game. Obviously. You know I care about the game because my brother-in-law is going to be in it. But, I mean, I think he's – I think he regrets it, like, from a backlash standpoint. But, I mean, what's Nathaniel Hackett really going to do? And so, like, if they ended up losing the game, you could make it in that context of, yeah, he regretted it. But like you said, I mean, from top to bottom, the Jets do have a better roster – I'm still a bit skeptical about the offense as a whole and Aaron Rodgers and everything. And the Broncos' defense is pretty good. So if we're basing off, are they going to regret it because the Jets are going to use this to beat them? Maybe. But I think it was just a dumb thing to say. Because he's right. He had his Fox, his media hat on. And when you are talking head, you kind of just say stuff like this and you go on about your business. But as a coach, it comes back to you. And so, yeah, I think he does regret it. 
All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Bay Area. We're going to talk about the 49ers, where star tight end George Kittle got candid about the team's quote-unquote championship window and the possibility of it closing, saying, We understand that the window, whatever that is, could be closing. We're going to try our best just to keep that window open as long as we possibly can, but we're going to try to sneak out some wins while that window is still open. He added, I think that's something that our team is very aware of. We have a lot of highly paid players on the team who have earned that money, and you can can only pay so many guys and we know that some of those guys are at the end of their contracts the end of the guarantees and that's when things start to move so believable or buffoonery the 49ers championship window is coming to a close um i don't i don't think so i think they might have um i don't know how long everyone's under contract but i would say like maybe in my mind a minimum three years before like it's really really like time to close because the beautiful thing is is your starting quarterback is probably the cheapest starting quarterback in the nfl because he was literally the last pick of the draft and so with that, you still have the flexibility to keep a lot of those guys you paid a lot of money to um, for a good, for a nice chunk of time. I will say I think that, like, they need to take advantage of this window and, and get one because, like, year in and year out on both sides of the ball, the 49ers are, like, one of the most well-rounded and complete deep rosters in the NFL. And they have nothing to show for it. Like the year that they lost to the, the year that they went to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, I thought it was their year, and it looked to be that way because they had what a ten point lead with, was it like six minutes left in the fourth quarter? Uh, I think it was like late third, early fourth when they had that lead. Okay, but I mean even still, like it it they with the defense that they've had. It looked like there was a foregone conclusion that it was a win, and it wasn't. So I think that I'll give it maybe a couple more years, but I definitely think that they need they need to find a way to try to take advantage of it while they can. Yeah, I think you really hit everything on the head. I, I would say believable as well, just because you never know what can happen. Like, yes, you don't have to pay your quarterback a whole bunch of money no time soon, which is a plus. But, I mean, George Kittle, I know his deal is going to be expiring sometime soon. I think Debo only signed, what, a two, three-year deal? I think it's like I don't think it was a long deal at all. And you want him to be at his best. Brandon Ayuk has a contract that's coming up. You don't know what's going to happen with Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Traverse Ward. Like, Nick Bosa is another guy who needs a deal. So, I can see where George Kittle is coming from in that regard, just worrying that not all of the guys will be able to stay there. For the time being but all right let's go ahead and move on to indianapolis now for those of you who do not know i currently work for the Colts, so i cannot give my opinion on this but ethan you can and obviously we got to talk about jonathan taylor and the recent drama surrounding him and Colts owner jim ursay so for those of you who don't know over the past week or so uh jonathan taylor's agent and jim ursay have been going at it quite a bit however this past saturday um, Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor had a meeting during practice and following the meeting Jim Irsay made it seem like things were going well however he did make a pretty questionable statement um, which went along the lines of 
He said, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that the National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and goes. It's a privilege to be a part of it. Well, some people tried to rationalize what he said. Other people took offense to it. And possibly Jonathan Taylor took offense to it as well because not even a couple hours after that statement came out, it it was announced that Jonathan Taylor had requested a trade. Now, for those of you who do not know, the trade was not requested that day, but actually earlier in the week, as reports were starting to come out, that the Colts had not even offered him a contract extension yet. Um, Jim Marte has already publicly said that he is not going to be trading uh, Jonathan Taylor, not now, not October, which is when the trade deadline is. But stranger things have happened. So believable or buffoonery, the Colts will, in fact, trade running back Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to say believable because to me it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to keep him there. And this is last year in his contract. Like, so you're going to just keep him. And it's not like the Colts are in a position of saying, like, oh, we have enough talent on our roster to where we could potentially make the playoffs and win in the playoffs. So you have your you have your quarterback at number four in Anthony Richardson. You have a decent O-line. Like, you're in a division that no one expects you to win anyway. Why not potentially trade Jonathan Taylor and get draft capital capital that you could use in this current, this upcoming draft and maybe the draft after, depending on how many picks you get. So I was going to say yes. Who do you think should or would make that move for? Who do I think should? Hmm. Arizona. They can use them, but they not winning nothing either. So. But I mean, you could potentially draft, you could potentially trade for him, re-sign him, and have him there when Kyler gets back and, like, everybody's healthy on the offense and have a really dangerous offense going into next season. That's fair. I would not get too much into my personal thoughts, but the Dolphins did try to trade for Saquon. So, yeah, and that didn't happen. So, who knows? But, all right, one more piece before we move on to our NBA updates. Uh, Another owner who has been known to be a tad bit controversial is Jerry Jones, who spoke on the recent uh, holdout of star guard Zach Martin to where he said there's going to be a lot of consequences if Martin doesn't show up. Um, In an interview, he said that he'll come to camp and when he comes to camp, there's no resolution. There's a lot of consequences if he doesn't. He's been at the top of the money all the way through, drafted high and got a lot of money got a lot of money over the years. uh, Jones went on to continue to say that we've got a guy named Parsons out there who that's going to need a little money when that time comes, which I I get where he's coming from. So this isn't a believable or a buffoonery, but it is a, you're putting on your front office hat. I'm going to put on mine. Who is the bigger contract priority for the Cowboys? Zach Martin or Micah Parsons? 100% 100% Michael Parsons because he's younger. He's your, he's, in my opinion, right now, Michael Parsons is the face of the Cowboys. Like, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't care what anyone can say about that. Like, no, Michael Parsons is the face of their team. And he's only, he's only in what year, going into year three right now. 
Yeah, which is wild to think about. So, in my mind, when you have a guy that is as productive as he is, not and mind you, he's been putting up these crazy production numbers alternating between really like three different positions. Like, now he's finally about to fully just be as a pass rusher slash defensive end. So, yeah, I would have to say Michael Parsons. I would go Micah, too. You mentioned age, but also, and this is no disrespect to Zach Martin because he is the best guard in the game. He's a great player. We all know this, but it kind of goes back to, like, the conversation with running backs and, like, running back versus this position. Guard, arguably, is not even the most important. Actually, not arguably. It's not even the most important position on the offensive line. And so you're making me pick between a edge rusher who, like you said, over the past few years has put up double-digit stats, sacks and done it easily, or a 30-plus-year-old guard. I'm going Micah like 10 times out of 10. Now, I hope Zach Martin gets his money. If not in uh, Dallas, somebody's going to pay him, and rightfully so. But if I'm Jerry Jones and if that's his argument – I do understand where he's coming from. But all right, let's go ahead and run through the NBA updates. Honestly, it's really not that much to really talk about. However, the biggest news is coming out that reportedly the NBA sent out a memo um, to teams, essentially, I mean, sent out a memo to Damian Lillard and his agent that any further uh, comments about Dame only wanting to play for the Heat would potentially subject him to league discipline. I talked, we talked about this very briefly off the air, but I think this is so much BS that the league is doing this and Loki trying to punish him for that. As if not only players don't do this all the time, but two, that energy is not reciprocated for teams when they just trade people all willy nilly and don't respect their trade requests. So why is it such an issue when Dane is stands firm on where he wants to go? My thoughts around it are, I think the NBA is using Dame as a um, a martyr. Like, over the course of the years, we've had all of these different guys, you know, the player empowerment of the NBA. And it's been good, you know, to see players get empowered. But it's also been some moves that have been like that have made things worse from a polarity standpoint in the NBA, i.e. Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Dane going to Miami would be that big of an issue because I think it would make the NBA better because now you're taking a team that made a surprise run to the finals this past year, you add Damian Lillard they're going to be a prominent team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think anything's wrong with it. I don't think so either. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I don't think anything's wrong with it, but I do think the NBA is trying to say, like, hey, look, at some point, we don't mind empowering our players, but at some point, we're going to have to take a stand. And I think Damian Lillard just so happened to be the guy that had to catch that bullet. Which, again, it just feels whack to me because Kevin Durant, he wasn't, like, as vocal about it, but he said he wanted to go to Phoenix. Like, he made it very clear he really wasn't trying to go nowhere but Phoenix, which, I mean, from his standpoint, I get it. I want to go to a contending team. I'm one of the best players in the league. I don't see why it's not the same smoke with Dane. 
And especially because I don't know if you saw the report, but it came out that it seems like the Heat are the only team that have actually sent out serious offers to the Trailblazers. So if anything, the Trailblazers to me feel more at fault because they're essentially holding him hostage when there's no other takers. So why not just go ahead and make the move? I think the Trailblazers are being incredibly petty from the stance of like, they know that they have a prized position and they're trying to, like, I understand it, but if, if the market is only like, hey, this one team is selling you, this is, this is, they really want Dane, like, it's only so much that you can get from this one team. Right. Unless you do, like, unless you do like a three-team trade, that's the only way that you can get more. Like, them saying like, oh, we'll be willing to wait months, like, to, that is incredibly petty. To go to your point of like, why isn't anything being done to the teams? I mean, the standpoint of it is from the team side, it's, it's business. It's normal. And like, as sucky as it sounds, and as sucky as it is, that's kind of like the reality. Like, obviously, I don't know firsthand because I'm not an NBA player. But like, just hearing NBA players like in interviews talk about it, like from the team side, it's just business as normal. Like, that's just the business of the NBA. And I think the difference between KD and Dame is, is like, as of our knowledge, KD never, or his agent never has told teams, like, hey, don't trade for KD. If you do, he gonna, he gonna be an anchor player. That's the only thing. But I definitely think, like, I just, I just think it's childish and petty. Like, hey, bro, if, the Heat are the only team that's making serious offers for Dane, trade them. Like, because it's not, the only way that it'll change at any other point is if you get a team that has, like, an injury and then they try to bring in Dane. By that point, it's like, it's pointless. Yeah. And, I mean, reportedly, uh, Dane isn't going to, like, hold out or anything if he's still on the Trailblazers by training camp. But I feel like if you are the Blazers, like, low-key, you're just stumping and you're prolonging your rebuild. Like, dude, just do it. Like, no, if nobody else is calling, yeah, you just wasting your time. And it's also this. So you just said D- Dame isn't holding out, right? So what if they don't trade Dame, he goes to training camp, and God forbid he gets hurt in training camp? then you just wasted your opportunity to trade him because nobody's going to trade for him when he's injured. Yeah, exactly. And not to mention, he's over 30. So it's only going to lessen what you would get in return. So I think it's a bad look. I don't like what the NBA is doing, but I mean, I think still at the end of the day, Dame is going to get traded. It's just going to be a matter of when it happens. But all right, we got a really quick game of believable or buffoonery. Um, starting off with one of my guys and a recent player who got traded, Bradley Beal, now a Phoenix son, in a recent interview with Slam, talked about his expectations for the year and said, I want to get back to my all-star level of play. I really believe that's who I am, an all-NBA guy, an all-star guy. So, believable or buffoonery, Bradley Beal will return to his all-star level with the Suns. No, not in the West. If he would have stayed in the East and went to a different team, I would believe it. But when I just think about the guards in the West, it's like, for one, you have one on each team in Devin Booker. You have Shy. 
You have Anthony Edwards. Even though I know Josh going to serve a 25-game suspension, if he comes back after those 25 games and goes crazy, you have Jordan in mix. Uh, if Dame is still in Portland, you still could throw Dame in there. You have De'Aaron Fox. Like, it's a lot of guards in the West to try to say, like, oh, I'm going to be an all-star or make all-NBA. Not to, not to say that I don't think that Bradley Bill is talented enough to do it, but it's just a lot of people in front of him. That's why I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, I hear that. If I was speak, like you said, if I was speaking solely on his ability, I for sure think he could. But, yeah, it's a lot of bodies at guard. So I think that would be the thing that prevents him. All right, last thing. Last week we talked about Paul Pierce um, and his recent comments about him being better than Dwayne Wade, which we both vehemently said was cap. However, Jeff Teague in a recent interview said that he views James Harden as a better all-time player than Dwayne Wade, which is wild. But another interesting comment came out of Dwayne Wade's mouth himself. Ahead of his Hall of Fame induction, he was asked about what level of player, what type of guy he would have been had he not sustained the injuries that he had. And he said, you doing your goal conversation with me. You take the injuries away, I'm still playing basketball right now if I want to. In my mind, I was one of them dudes. You couldn't tell me in 06, 07, 08, I wasn't going where I wanted to go. So, which statement do you think is more believable? James Harden is a better all-time shooting guard than Dwayne Wade, or Dwayne Wade would be considered one of the greatest of all time had he been able to stay healthy. This is a one-sided, this is a one, a completely one-sided landslide, landslide over question. 100% James, uh, not James Harden, but Dwayne Wade would have been in the GOAT, one of the GOAT conversations. Because, for one, if I'm not mistaken, Dwayne Wade won the NBA championship in like his second or third year in the NBA. Yeah, carried the team. He carried that team by himself. A lot of people fail to think that a lot of people, like I know when you had LeBron and Chris Bosh added, that was Dwayne Wade after some of these injuries that we referenced where he lost some of his still. But still, he would have had multiple championships. And if he would have stayed healthy, it was different points. It was a certain, it was like maybe a year or two span where Dwayne Wade was in the argument of being the best player in the NBA alongside LeBron James and, and um, Kobe Bryant. James Harden ain't never got this. He was argued as like one of the greatest offensive weapons of all time, but he was never argued as one of the best players. And in my opinion, not to not to fault or discredit another NBA player, James Harden ain't did nothing but score a bunch of points. Facts. Like he scored a bunch of points on teams that barely that, that made it to the playoffs and got put out in the second round year after year, and he didn't do anything in the playoffs. There's no way that James Harden is a historically better. Like in my, if I want, if I'm going to take James Harden, I'm going to take Dwayne Wade. It's two, it's two things that I, the first thing I think about in the playoffs, James Harden shrinks. In the playoffs, Dwayne Wade rises to the occasion. Right. That alone in my mind puts Dwayne Wade above James Harden. 100%. 100%. Yeah, we're in agreement. I think that the goal conversation is more believable. Even if he was healthy, I don't know if he would be in my top 10 or anything, but Dwayne Wade was amazing when he was healthy and when he was the guy. Now, as for the whole James Harden thing, 
come on. I get it. Now, today's generation, they didn't get really get to see Dwayne Wade. They saw old Dwayne Wade when he was, like, with the Bulls and the Cavs and eventually went back to Miami. But Dwayne Wade in his day, sure, he's not putting up crazy astronomical, like, 50, 40 shooting nights every day. But, I mean, he also didn't have to rely on getting to the free throw line and BS fouls to get points. And like you said, I mean, in the playoffs, James Harden is – a totally different player than Dwayne Wade is. Even when Dwayne Wade was older, he still gave more and was still more consistent than what you got out of James Harden. And so I get it. The points look good, but James Harden literally as a player compared to Dwayne Wade, nah, no, no. And I remember like back when he was with the Rockets, people really tried to make that argument of where he stacks up on the all-time shooting guard list. And I'm not going to necessarily disrespect him and say he doesn't have an argument for like top 10. But over Dwayne Wade, absolutely not. Couldn't do it. Not going to act like I'm going to do it. No, not real. Uh, but yeah, anything you want to add about NBA stuff before we move on to SummerSlam? Um, I mean... It's wild to think that really the NBA, like normally the offseason is the most exciting part. And after the series, like the first two days of free agency, the offseason in the NBA has kind of been boring. It it has been a whole lot of nothing. I mean, I think that's why like the Dwayne Wade thing is still being talked about. I mean, not Dwayne Wade, Damian Lillard thing is still being talked about because, I mean, that's really it. Everything else has kind of happened, so... We'll obviously be following along with that, seeing how things shake out. But in the mean in between time, let's go ahead and talk SummerSlam. All right, now it is time to do our SummerSlam predictions. But we can't do predictions without my embryo, my embryo, my MB bro, Chris Waters. Hi, embryo. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you today? I am so swell-tastic. I mean, life is going pretty well. SummerSlam's card is looking like it's full of banger after banger after banger. And I get to talk to my favorite PP on the planet. So life is good right now. Okay, happy to hear it, happy to hear it. I'm very excited about SummerSlam. Is that all you're excited about? Uh, for the week, yeah. I gotta go to work. You won't think I'm excited about going to work? Time and time again, you show me you do not love me, and that is okay. Um, what? I, what, what, no, no, no. Don't do that. I have to. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Did you literally just miss the part where I said I was happy to talk to my favorite PP and you said nothing? Yeah, that's, that's on me. That's on me. All right, I, I'll take that loss. That's on me. Yeah. One of the many you'll be taking. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of losses, you you have won the last two, but how many pay-per-views did I beat you in before that? Those don't matter. Yes, they do. What do they Yes, they do. You know what? It's okay because at the end of the year, we're going to do like a tally of like who won, like the overall record for the year. And when I come out on top. you won't. Oh, cap. But yes, speaking of coming out on top, we're here to talk SummerSlam. Um, I'm excited. Because I think this is going to be a great card. I will, unfortunately, not be able to watch it live. Or at least I'm 99.9% sure I won't be able to watch it live. Because I will be working. But, Embryo, are you going to be able to watch it live? I will be able to watch it live. This is going to be on a Saturday? Yep, Saturday night. Yeah, I will definitely be able to watch it live. And I will definitely spoil it for you. I will block you. 
No, because I always try to ask you, hey, is it okay if I continue on with my statement? Or I ask, hey, are you watching blankety blank blank? If you say no and say don't spoil it, I do not spoil it. Now you don't, but you definitely spoil so many past. In the I've grown as a person. Okay. Yeah, you can't go wrong with growth. Okay, speaking of growth, though, it seems like... <laughs> WWE has not grown from having random battle royals on pay-per-views because apparently if you watched uh, SmackDown from this past week, it was announced that there is going to be a Slim Jim battle royal, which is going to feature wrestlers from both SmackDown and Raw. So far, the only two names that have been um, officially announced for it is Sheamus and LA Knight. Honestly, I don't got to hear nothing else. I think LA Knight's going to win. Yeah. I, I know. I, th I think they really want to push him. They got a good thing with LA Knight. I like him, and you can't have him losing it. Well, I don't know. It's he weird because we said the same thing about Money in the Bank. Right? You said what? He lost it on the Friday, Friday night SmackDown before WrestleMania. He lost the Battle Royal. So, I mean, who won that, Bobby? Yeah, the one that Bobby won. And they didn't do anything with that. It's like these Battle Royals to me are stupid because what? What battle royal, with the exception of the um, Royal Rumble, are you actually getting a tangible reward from? That's true. Um, the past couple of years, you only get a trophy. And then the one Braun Strowman won, he got a belt that never showed up again after that. Yeah, um, that was stupid. And that was years ago. Yeah, that was years ago. And uh, uh, Braun Strowman, hope he gets better back from injury. He hasn't been around for a while. Yeah, prayers up. But, uh, I don't ever have to see him wrestle a match again, but I do want him to be healthy. I like Braun Strowman, but um, I guess you put him in the match with the right person, he can put on a good one. But uh, I'm gonna go with LA Knight uh, because I feel like they, he has to win this. Everybody wanted him to be the new. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not gonna say everybody. I wanted him to be the number one contender for the United States Championship, but he didn't get it. Uh, so I say yes. I'm going for LA Knight. I really don't care who else is in it. Almost might be in it, but he's not winning it. Because he hasn't been around either, but uh, I'm going L.A. Knight as well. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Logan Paul versus Ricochet. That match has officially been confirmed for the card. I think it's going to be one of the more athletic matches on the card. Is it going to be the best? No. But it should be fun, and I got Logan Paul winning. So I'm going to go with Logan Paul as well. I think it's going to be a good match, but... No offense to Ricochet, he's not a Seth Rollins that can put on a banger with anybody. And even though Paul put on a great, I, I think it was a great match with Roman. I don't really see him doing that with Ricochet. I don't see him getting that much time as he's gotten with Seth Rollins and uh, Roman. So I think it'd be a good match, like you said, athletic. But um, Logan Paul's about to get a win. He hasn't got a win in WWE in a minute, so I think he's gonna they're gonna get him that win. Yeah, I can see that. I mean. Look, Ricochet is cool, but I don't think he's going to be hurt too much by a loss. I think. He won't. He won't. Um, At least he's getting on TV. Yes, he's getting on TV, and he's getting a mini storyline, so. Yeah, you got that right. All right, speaking of storylines, Shayna Baszler versus Ratface Rousey. Admittedly, I don't care about this match. As we all know, I don't like Ronda Rousey. But if they would have made this a fight pit match, oh. you might have had my interest. They should have did that. They, they so should have did that. And I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. They should have did that. 
But I got Shayna Baszler because it makes sense for her to win, especially because Ronda's about to be out the door. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I want to, I wish this had more build, but I know why they did it, because she's about to be out the door. And like you just said, wow, they really should have made it a, a little, what is it, a fight pit? That's mm-hmm. what it's they definitely should have did that for this match. But um, I got Shayna only because Ronda is about to leave. Um, that's my pick. Now, if Ronda was going to stay another month or two, then I probably would have chose Ronda because I think they want to push it out longer. But since it's looking like she's about to leave, I'm picking Shayna. And I think it's probably going to be a hard-hitting match. I know it's not going to be the best match of the night, but I definitely got Shayna winning. And hopefully they push her after this. Oh, I hope so. Because I would love to see her versus Rhea Ripley if we be in. Yeah, yeah that'll be that. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you think... Now, I could see them, again, we're recording this right before Raw starts, so we don't know anything. Do you think they're going to leave it as, like, a traditional match, or do you think they might make it a submission match? Because I think if they're not going to do the fight pit, a submission match is the next best thing. Well, I haven't been following the build a lot. I feel like one of them said it was going to make the one or the other tap out. I can't remember. So it could be a submission match. And, um... I don't know if you're about to if they're about to build Shayna Baszler, the little credibility Ronda has left in WWE. I think you should really just have her pin her. Now, if she makes her tap, I guess that would be something. Well, we never seen Ronda tap, so I think a tap would be more better for credibility because, like you said, Ronda's never tapped in WWE. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so hopefully it could be a, like I wouldn't mind seeing a submission match, or or it should be either a submission or a fight pit. I don't want it to be a traditional match. I'd say submission just because they both have MMA backgrounds. And, yeah. I mean, both of their finishers are, like, submission-based submission. moves. So, that would make sense. All right, now let's move on to actual good matches. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Another match that I thought would have had a stipulation, but I guess not. Both uh, both men have a win over the other. This is the rubber match. Who takes the dub for you? Well, no one did. I have to do my research. They're still trying to plan for Cody and Roman at WrestleMania. You got to build up Cody. So I'm thinking Cody's going to get this win. Because, I mean, Brock could take a loss and still be Brock. Yeah. And I'm not saying Cody can't either, but you're trying to build Cody to be the next guy, and he has to beat Brock. So I got Cody winning in a very tough match. I got Cody winning too. And it just, at this stage of Brock's career, it's like, what does he benefit from beating um, what's it called? What does he benefit from beating Cody Rhodes? Like, I don't think that he's going to win any more championships. He, I don't really see him being in the title picture. And so, why? Personally, I don't think it makes any sense. So, yeah, I also have Cody. Um, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a hard-hitting match. How much you want to bet that Cody's going to bleed? Cody? Uh, Somebody's got to bleed. First it was Brock. Now it's got to be Cody. Cody's going to bleed. Was Brock meant to bleed in that match? I don't think so. I've heard conflicting stuff. I'm going to say I don't think so. Just because WWE has tried to stray away from that. Yeah, so I'm going to go with you and say Cody's going to bleed, but maybe both. Maybe both. I mean, how hard the match it is. Bring it on. You know, I'm not saying I'm like blood has to be in every feud, but when you see blood, it makes it a little, you know. if they want to make it interesting, it should have been made it a no-holds-bars match. Again, why this match did not have a stipulation, I don't really understand. Especially because it's the third one. Like, this is probably going to be the last time they face off ever. 
And the funny part is, we don't even know why. No, still like, don't know what is the reason for this feud. <laughs> well, I mean, he's Brock Lesnar. He just do what he wants, I guess. That is a fact. That is actually a fact. But all right, we talked about blood. There may not be blood, but there is going to be pain. And that is in the Intercontinental Championship match where Gunther is going to defend his title against the returning Drew McIntyre. I can't wait for that match. That could, be, that could, that could possibly be the match of the night. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it, it really could have. And everybody named Mama know I've enjoyed Gunther's Intercontinental Championship reign. I think everybody has. I'll say this. I have many anybody who hasn't enjoyed it. But I think that this is where it comes to an end. And we finally start to see Gunther kind of transition to that world title picture. So I think Drew McIntyre gets the dub. This is a tough one. Um, it's very tough. I've been following. Drew has not signed a new contract yet. I mean, but his contract doesn't and, end for a minute. I know, but at the same time, he doesn't resign. And I know Gunther is so close to breaking the longest reigning for the uh, Intercontinental Championship. Uh, he's almost about to break. Like he's about to break the record. He's close. Very. So, I really want Drew to win. I'm a big Drew fan, and um, he held it down during the pandemic. You know, he was the champion during the pandemic. He hasn't held a belt since like fans came back. He has not held a championship. Um, I'm gonna go with Gunther, and uh, I don't. I'm not gonna say Drew's not gonna take it in the future. I'm going Gunther only because I really feel like they want him to break that record. He didn't have such a great reign, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And what's the name of the legend? Um, what was it? Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, I he think he's the record. He's less and, than ten days off from the record, I believe. Yes, and like he's holding the record, and I feel like they really want Gunther to break it. Like, so I, I'm gonna say Gunther's gonna find a way to make it out just to break that record and maybe at the next pay-per-view he loses it but right now i'm going through hey i wouldn't be mad at either result i mean either yeah, way i, I think it's gonna be a great match drew deserves it uh drew is a hard worker and like i said he hasn't held a championship since like fans came back he has not held a championship yeah so this could be i mean because we kind of saw that with seth rollins he hadn't held a championship for a real long time he's champion but speaking of Seth, he has a rubber match against Finn Balor. Third time they are facing off for the World Heavyweight Championship. I am so conflicted because my heart wants Finn Balor. I would yeah. love for Finn Balor to win. But I just, I don't see it happening. And so I think Seth is going to retain. This uh- it's very tough. <laughs> I'm going with Finn. Okay. Only because I know Judgment Day is like the next big group in the WWE. You want to keep the spotlight on them, and I think it gives more cre- um, it gives more storylines with Damian holding the briefcase and Finn holding the title. Because at that point, Finn is the only one that's not holding anything. I know. Uh, Damian Priest is not a champion, but he is Mr. Money. Money in the Bank. What's no, 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 wait, 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 wait. In Embryo, he's senior Money in the Bank. Senior. I, I, I corrected myself. Okay. But, I, I, you know what, I I would have told Seth, but after that last segment on Monday night, when they all showed up and just chopped Seth, showing him, like, this is not your raw, this is ours, I have been winning. And um, Dom, 
Dirty Dumb and Rhea might help him do that. <sighs> See, the argument I could make for like Dom and Rhea helping, I could also make the argument for Damian Priest costing him the match. And you could argue that they did the same thing before, but I mean, if they're both down and out, I could see Damian Priest looking real hard at that briefcase and being like, F it, it's my turn. And not, I, this is not me saying I think he's gonna walk out of SummerSlam as champion, but I would not be surprised if he tried to cash in just if the opportunity presented itself. Well, I'll put it this way. Seth is not walking out with the belt because even if he beats Finn, let's say he beats Finn, it's going to be a long, well, I don't know if it's going to be a long match, but it'll be a good match. So if he beats Finn, Damien is going to cash in and get that belt in Judgment Day. Judgment Day will have, what are they calling it? The world Is it the World Heavyweight This is the World Heavyweight Championship. Judgment Day will have the World Heavyweight Championship in their stable. After SummerSlam, it could be Finn, it could be Damien. I'm choosing Finn because I think it gives more like, will Damien do it? Will he not? You know, but Seth will not be champion coming to the, the, the Raw after SummerSlam. I will say this again: would not be mad at that, but I just I could see them like trying to bolster the feud between Finn and Damien and have Finn. Even let's say even if Finn loses and Damien has nothing to do with it, I could see yeah. Finn costing Damien winning Mr. Money. I mean, winning the World Heavyweight Championship because everyone says Judgment Day doesn't have a leader, everything is fine. But just imagine the jealousy that Finn is going to have to see Damien do something he couldn't do, no matter the circumstances. And so because of that, I could see Finn being like, if I'm not winning it, none of us are gonna win it. And so cost him like that. So you th- you thinking he um priest will cash in and he'll cost him? Yeah, I I don't I'll say this. I think Seth wins. I'm holding on firm to that. And I could see Damian Priest getting ready to do it. It's weird. Either way, I see whether or not, even if he does decide to do it or if he doesn't. He gets close to doing it. I think Finn is going to stop him from winning the championship in some way, shape, or form. Well, last question, then we can keep going. Okay. Let's say that happens. Who would Rhea and Dom side with? Each other. <laughs> what? Duh. <laughs> No, no. They're but I don't think they're really gonna talk about it. They're just gonna be like the judgment day is stronger than ever. Uh everything's fine. Mind your business. Dirty Dom. I've been in jail. Like I just think that that's good house. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got their they got their own problems to do. But, hey, 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 them two do have their own problems. <laughs> they do. But you know what? I'm happy we mentioned Rhea. Um, so as of right now, it is not confirmed that she is going to have a match on SummerSlam, but she better. Um, so let's just say for the sake of conversation, because Liv is injured, or at least kayfabe injured. Honestly, I don't really know. But let's say that it is her versus Raquel Rodriguez. I'm putting it down just in case, but I got Rhea beating Raquel. Oh, no question. Rhea is going to win. No question. Rhea is not losing that championship for a very, very long time. Maybe to the WrestleMania, but um, let's say for the sake of the conversation, they want to keep Raquel looking strong. She might get close, and maybe I don't see Don don't really get involved in her matches like that. 
Mm-hmm. I like how they build real, real. She takes care of her own business, which I like. But if it gets out of hand, let's say for the same conversation, it gets out of hand. If Dom is out there, he's going to do a distraction. That's going to stop Rhea from winning. I mean, not Rhea, uh, Ra- Ra- uh, Raquel from winning. And then Rhea gets, keeps, you know, wins to uh, keeps her championship. Rhea is going to win 100%. I'm he- not worried about her matches for a long time. Yeah, and truth- truthfully, I would be... I'll say this, from their matches in NXT that were really, really good that not many people talk about, I think that it could be the best match of Rhea's title reign. To be honest, aside from that one match against uh, Natalya on Raw, it hasn't really been that many good ones. But I think think that they could really put on a banger if given the opportunity. Well, and the only reason I say it probably hasn't been that many good ones is because... She has barely has had any. Honestly. She's barely had any, and I think, you know, they keep her with Dom, building up Dom. But now that he has a championship and he's doing all right, and I like that he's going to be on NXT more to help him develop more. Um, I, but I do, I'm like, they need to um, put her more in storylines. It's okay if she's just beating up everybody. That's fine, you know. But but have her do something by herself. Yeah, like I think, like you, like you said, the best match she didn't have was the one with Natalia, Natalia on Raw, which nobody expected that to go that way. But it was a good match, and uh, which Natalia can wrestle, but you know she usually just loses. But um, you know this could be one of the best ones uh, she can have. You right? Oh my gosh, look at you agreeing with me! Wow, don't even know how to react to that. All right, now this is a match I know we're not going to agree on because you already told me your thoughts on this match before. But we have the WWE Women's Championship Triple Threat. And y'all know I love me a triple threat match. And this is the match I am by far most excited about on the card. We have Asuka defending her title against Bianca Belair and Charlotte. This was very hard for me to predict. So I'll let you go first because, again, I already know what you're going to say. We talked about it. You don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I already know. And it makes a lot of sense. What am I going to say? You're going to say Oscar's going to win. Of course Oscar's going to win. I told you, uh, I guess last time, or maybe it was just a regular conversation we had. I can't remember. It was but fairly recent. It was a regular conversation. Great conversation. You know, well, no, that's not that far. I'm talking about, I feel like it's going to be a, a good uh, build rivalry between Bianca and Charlotte. They do not need the championship. I feel like the, um, if the championship is involved in their rivalry, it's going to make it a little bit less. I disagree. They just have, um, they just, I, well, I, I feel like if one has the championship, like Charlotte, I mean, besides Charlotte, if Bianca has the championship, I don't see her just going back and forth with the belt. I see them two just having a good banger matches against each other, and I feel like they're going to cost each other, and Oscar's going to win. Now, um, what goes on with uh, EO Sky? I don't really see her cashing it in and winning yet. I really don't. But it's a chance, so... But I had Oscar winning because I feel like Bianca and Charlotte, like, I guarantee you there's going to be spots in that match where either Charlotte's about to win and Bianca stops her. Bianca's about to win, Charlotte stops her. But one of them are going to take each other out, and Oscar's going to probably shoot the miss out, spit the miss out, and win. Oscar's winning that match. I don't know if she's walking out of SummerSlam as champion because I don't know what's going to go on with E.O. Scott. But I know she's going to win the match. Logically, that makes 100% sense. And... I don't think you're wrong. I just... Get your feelings out of it. Get your feelings out of it. No, no, no. This isn't even feelings. 
we talked about this the last time we talked we because we talked about our like um like bold like hot takes or whatever and i mentioned then that of the three charlotte it makes the most sense for charlotte to win and i stand on that because if wwe does want to pull the trigger on eo sky being champion it makes the most sense for her to beat charlotte reason being asuka she just went through this grueling triple threat match they're always trying to by the way it's weird how smackdown is trying to make it like eo bailey bianca charlotte are all contenders for the title but it's like no they're not like if i'm eo what am i doing all this for i could just cash in whenever i want to i don't have to do all of this bailey i think she's no disrespect to Bailey, but I think she's outside of the conversation because it's clear that it's Charlotte and Bianca. Those are the two who are actually contending. So, WWE, take EO and Bailey out. I guess you need to have them on TV doing something, but not this. Um, but yeah, Charlotte. Okay, so yeah, Asuka, she just beat these three women. EO comes in. Yes, it sets up an amazing, great feud that everybody wants. But again, that is a feud that could happen that does not need a championship. If anything, I think the way you feel about Charlotte and Bianca not needing a title for a feud, that's how I feel about EO and Asuka. I don't think they need a feud because, Loki, okay, this has been brewing for months and months and months, and yeah. WWE has just done nothing with it. And so I feel like. You don't need a championship to have that feud. That feud by itself carries weight. It is still exciting. It is still great. You can make that happen. Bianca, everybody knows I love me some Bianca Belair. But if you do have her win, obviously she's going to be feuding with Charlotte, which makes a lot of sense. But then after that, it's just going to be kind of the same feuds we've been seeing for the past year plus. And that's not a knock against her. It just, it just is what it is. And you could have EO beat her, and that could create a different feud. But again, she already has stuff brewing with Charlotte, and so it's like, who does the attention go to? And then, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, keep going, my bad. And then lastly with Charlotte, the reason I think she makes the most sense is because, let's be honest, aside from me, and probably Andrade, who would be happy for Charlotte to win this match? Uh, Rick. If he's never mind, let me not say that. Okay, maybe, but that's still, that's three people, three. I like Charlotte. I love Charlotte, but would you be happy if she won this match? Um, I wouldn't be mad, but I definitely like I would have went for a better choice. Exactly. Basically, I would be perfectly fine. Honestly, I'd be fine with any of these women winning this match. But the reason why I lean toward Charlotte winning is because if she wins. Just imagine the pop that is going to happen if, let's say, Bianca Belair is like, because Charlotte, let's say she cheats to win, pins Oscar. Charlotte is like, I mean, Bianca's like, this some BS. I'm going to cost you. She whips her out with a KLD. You might have won a championship, but I'm laying your ass out. Then next thing you know, EO Sky comes in, cashes money in the bank. Everybody loses their freaking minds. That sets up a feud between Bianca and Charlotte. You cost me a championship because you are worried that I'm better than you. I don't need to be better than you. Blame, blame, blame. Future, roll with it. And so I'm picking Charlotte because I believe. I'll say this. I could see EO cashing in money in the bank this weekend more than I can see Damian Priest doing it. And so 
if I'm using it from that mindset, I think Charlotte wins to set up. Um, yeah, so EO becomes champion. Oscar's like, hey, you didn't beat me for that title. I want my smoke. And then you can still have Bianca and Charlotte go at it separately. So the way you're thinking and that set up, I, I, I like it and I understand it. And I think I think the, like the only thing we're thinking the same is just it's different with the two people we have in mind because I feel like like you kind of said um, well this is what I think Charlotte I, I think we both agree Bianca's not walking out as champion no. um, and with that being said I think you know my reason why because I feel like this new hurt business or whatever they're trying to do I could definitely see her joining it but having a little edge to herself being mad that she lost you know what I mean because she's she's been cheated but um. She'll have every reason to join him and be mad and just start going on a tear on SmackDown like Rhea's doing on Raw. But um, I, I just feel like Charlotte and Bianca names are so, are big enough to where, like, um, like um, Trish and Becky Lynch, their names are big enough to have a feud without the belt, have banger matches. Oscar has her name set up. A lot of people knew who EO was, but I'm just talking about, and tell me if I'm wrong, like, any people knew her in NXT, but, like, on the main roster, the biggest chance she ever had was when she had a match against Bianca. I think everybody, that's when everybody started recognizing her, when she had that great match. And, um, I disagree. Uh, I disagree with, with that because... I think on the main roster, on the main roster, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest thing they had did with her since she joined the main roster. Now, you can say damage control, but she was with a tag team, but, like, singles run... Well, she's technically not on the. I guess she's on the singles run. I mean, but like the biggest thing she did as a as her like one on one match on the main roster was that match with Bianca, and I feel like, like you said, they already they're building towards this since way back with War Games. Her and Oscar having a feud all all the way back when they were speaking. Um, I don't want to say the wrong language. Uh, they were speaking. Uh, Japanese. Japanese. I want to say I did not want to be wrong. Lord, I didn't want to be wrong. Japanese on Raw going at it, and they didn't do that like twice. So they've been building towards that. It can go either way. Either thing, the good thing about this, they can do my way, your way. It's going to be good. I just feel like, you know, if she cashes in, and I'm with you, she has a higher chance cashing in than Damien. Um, I just see her cashing in on Oscar because then that sets up. I, well, I read an article they want to build Oscar up. The best way to build Oscar up is to have her win that match. Now, if she loses with a cash in, cool, fine. She got cashed in on, lost. That sets up her, uh, uh, her and EO having banger matches. Now you got Charlotte and Bianca fighting, about fighting, having banger matches, trying to see who's better. We both know we both don't need a championship to prove that we're on top of the mountain. So let's me and you go one on one to see who's better and let the best woman win. I can see that happening, and I can actually see Charlotte winning the first match which pushes Bianca to go to the Hurt Business to change her little mindset, and then she beats Charlotte. They can go, like, three banger matches. Eo and Oscar, I don't know, can go, like, a one or two banger matches. I think... you a good one. I think you... Uh, first off, I think you underestimate how beloved Eo Sky is. Eo Sky is a bad mofo. Like... That reaction she got in Puerto Rico wasn't for nothing. The reaction she's been getting just in general haven't yeah. come from nowhere and so i don't i don't think that eo and oscar need a championship to have a great few because like we both mentioned like they've been building this up for a while now they just need to pull the trigger and 
the same thing you could be saying about we don't need a championship to see who's the baddest because honestly between oscar and eo they just want to see who's the baddest they're both amazing in the ring and i think that this could give an opportunity both for, for both women to not only put on great matches but to have arguably the best feuds of their respective careers and yeah. i could either way honestly now in saying all this it makes me question excuse me where bailey fits into the equation in terms of like damage control, honestly, I don't really care about Bailey right now. But I think that, I, I think that, like I said, I just feel like you kind of underestimate the star power of EO Sky to where uh, uh, she, she and Asuka don't need a championship to put forth an amazing feud. And I don't think that Bianca and Charlotte need one either. But I think because, like, a big reason why I think that theirs could be for a championship is because you go back to that Grayson Waller segment where uh, Bianca made a, when Charlotte was like, I'm a 16 time world champion. And she was like, I didn't need 16 times to be the longest Raymond reigning raw women's champion. And so yeah. because of that, that plants the seeds of, well, who's the better champion? What matters more quantity or quality? And so by being a champion, I think that the two could feud over that. But well, I'm sorry, go ahead. I see, I see that. And um, I, like I, said, I see your points with everything you're saying. And maybe I do underestimate EO, but um, I just feel like on the main roster run, main roster, they haven't done, they didn't do as much as they could with her until she had that great match with um, Bianca. I and mean, I like, and, I mean, like, am I wrong with that? I I feel like she could have been utilized better, but I mean, that doesn't stop. If fans love you, they're gonna love you, regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, and, not, I'm not saying. So that's why, like, that's why I kind of see, like, I don't think she had that great match against Bianca, but I don't view that as like a indication of like fans not being up behind her and her not have a star quality. Cause like Oscar, let's be honest, her championship reigns have never been good since she's been on the main roster. But because she was so beloved and so amazing and talented on NXT, it's like, hey, look, Oscar gonna get it together one of these days because you're so used to seeing who she was in NXT. Same could be said yeah. for EO Sky. You one could argue she had the greatest women's championship reign uh, in NXT history, and because yeah. of that, she built up such a fan base and she built up such a following to where people are just so excited to see what she's going to do on the main roster. And so that's why I again like I don't feel like they need a championship to show that they popping. Like if people love you, they gonna love you regardless. LA Knight ain't won nothing. Has not won a thing, but he is arguably the most beloved man in the WWE right now, which is crazy yeah. to think about, yeah. but it's true. So, like, if people mess with you, they're going to mess with you regardless. And I think that's going to be the case with EO. And, um, well, yeah. Well, last thing on this, um, I like, I'm, people love her. I, I say that. Um, I just feel like maybe the main roster run, like I said, the people in the back. I said the people that write the storylines probably started to fully notice. It's not to say they didn't notice. Like, it's okay. You can say Vince. Bianca. You can say Vince McMahon. <laughs> uh, maybe Vince didn't realize. Triple H knew. In the reaction she got against Bianca, it probably opened up his eyes more. So I'm not trying to say fans didn't like her or nothing like that. She probably had a great following like what she does. And um, you know, but you know, the, the, the guy in the back gotta have the same thing. It's okay, you can right say Vince. Vince ain't but, paying uh, our bills, Embryo. We can say what we want about him. <laughs> you don't get an email and to think I was about to pay you, but your boy went too hard on you. Man, but, uh, whatever. But like, and last thing on it though, but uh, let's say Charlotte did win. I get your point with that. 
would it lead to another triple threat? Because you still got Oscar in it. The reason I say Oscar should win because if EO catches in, boom, you got your central field. Oscar just be like, Bianca and Charlotte lost. Boom. They have no reason to be in it right now. They deal with each other. If Charlotte wins, like you say, EO catches in on her, you know Charlotte going to get her rematch, but then Oscar sitting on the sideline waiting for whatever happens with that because I don't see her fighting Bianca. No, but point. I think more you know, so, but I think, yes, yeah, she would get her rematch against EO. But, again, I think that sets up a feud between Bianca and Charlotte because, like I said, I feel like Charlotte is going to somehow screw Bianca into winning that match. And then Bianca's going to be like, man, screw this, gives her a KLD. EO comes out, cashes in. And so that sets up Bianca and Charlotte because Charlotte could be like, you're jealous of After me. After the rematch? After the rematch with Sure. Charlotte. And Bianca could cost her again. Bianca be like, you've been screwing me since it, you got it, back. It, it, it's it, about time it, I give you your due. And what is Oscar going to be doing in that time? Oscar could still want her title. Oscar could probably take a couple weeks off while after Charlotte has her rematch. EO could do her celebration like, yeah, I'm champion, I'm champion. And then Oscar would be like, yo, you didn't beat me. And you could set it up like that. That way you still get EO versus Oscar and you still get Charlotte versus Bianca. Okay. Okay. And uh, for the Bailey thing, I know a lot of people are thinking Bailey's going to. I don't think, I honestly don't think Bailey's going to turn on EO. It's, they have not shown anything to show that Bailey's going to turn on her. And by the way, happy you're still healthy. Because I thought she got injured. But I think she like did too, injured. but I don't think it was as severe as everybody initially yeah, thought. So happy she's not injured. But, yeah. Uh, I don't really see her, and uh, I don't see her turning on EO. For, for all, and she could, but from all I've been seeing every time they're about to cash in, she's been 100% behind EO. I don't think they're about to break them two up, which I'm fine with. I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, Bailey, I, I don't mind Bailey being around her. I would put it that way. I don't think all groups should just break up. But, I don't think they should break up either, but it's like eventually. It's going to happen. Like, maybe so. Maybe after she wins the championship. No, not it. Ma- not maybe, Embryo. They always break up. It's always going to be a few because Je- Bailey's going to want her licks. She's going to be like, hey, you know, since you're yeah. champion, uh, how about you give me a chance? And EO could probably be like, huh, yeah, right. And then Bailey takes that to heart and then she calls her. Or she could be like, sure. And then Bailey could mess around and get close to win the championship. EO pulls it out and then it becomes one of those things where it's like Bailey's like, yeah. I can win. Like, I just. It makes maybe, too maybe much. Down the road, but not right no, now. no, no. It's not going to be an immediate thing. No, but maybe let's say if EO is still champion by, let's say Rumble. I could see Rumble. Yeah, yeah, I could see Rumble. I see. Let it hold off. Hopefully, um, um. Oh, who am I? Well, I forgot the girl name. That's awesome. Dakota Kai. Hopefully, she's back by that point. Wow. Again, not look, not caring about women. But yeah, no. I, I mean, I knew it. Of course, I had to say it. But yeah, I see. We are going to. It's interesting. We are going two different directions for the same feud, basically. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And that's yeah, thing. because if if I didn't believe EO was going to cash in, I would also pick Oscar. If I took EO completely out of the equation, Oscar makes the most sense. But because I, I mean, do think she cashes in, I I'm going Charlotte. The only way I don't see EO not cashing in is if when Oscar wins, because that's my pick, that's what I'm saying, when Oscar wins, uh, Charlotte and Bianca screws EO again. Because, like, the past two times, them two have just been like, no, you're not cashing in. I'm going to be the one to take it from Oscar, not you. Yeah. I, I think that's hilarious. I love seeing that. Like, when Bianca snatched Bailey, I was like, why did you snatch her like that? <laughs> because they've been, they've had smoke for years, Embryo. I know, but it was just so funny to me when she was like, yeah, we're cashing in, and Bianca's just 
came out of nowhere and snatched Bailey from out of the ring. I'm like, y'all are haters. I mean, yeah, Bianca Belair can snatch you out the, the ring. Face. What's up? You said you snatched me out the ring? Bianca Belair, absolutely. You said she's snatching me out the ring? I said she could. Oh, yeah, for sure. Bianca's strong. Oh, yes. Yeah. Love Bianca Belair. I would Belair. not be surprised if she could snatch me out the ring. I'm not so. I would be surprised. She picked up Otis. Yeah. Speaking of, okay, we're, we're really going to move on after this, I promise. But Bianca, my sister in Christ, please know I still love you. This is the first time, and I don't know how long, when I'm not picking you to win a match. But I love you. You're awesome. You're oh, yeah. great. Hey, look, we love you, but just to let you know, last time I chose somebody over you, you lost. So you're going to lose again. That's sick. And you know what, Bianca? <laughs> I love you, Bianca. No, nah, don't even say that. Because hey. you know what? I hope if she don't KOD you, I hope Montez Ford gives you a splash, a frog splash from the heavens. You said what? If she KOD me, that'd be one of the highlights of my life. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get a frog splash from Montez, and he's going to have like a... That's fine. I like Montez. Hey, Montez. I hope y'all nah, make Nah, Montez going to hurt you. Bobby Lashley. Just shout out to y'all. Y'all deserve it. I can't wait to see y'all in the Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you can keep sweet-talking him. He's going to kick your ass. Hey, 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 stop it. It's it's a fact. It's true. But okay. I, 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 meet one day. Don't worry about it. I bet you will. All right, and I'm going to be right there with you because I'm going to be a manager. Okay, let's move on because I could talk about this all day. All right, all day. this is another <laughs> incredibly noteworthy match. I know y'all know how it is. The Tribal Chief versus Jay Uso. Oh. And this is not just a regular undisputed WWE Universal Championship match. No, 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 no. This will be fought under tribal combat rules. I still don't know what that means. I was not watching SmackDown when they announced it, and I don't want to know. I'll find out whenever I watch SummerSlam. But he said he said what it meant. When? He said it when he said it. Like he no, said I said it. I didn't watch that SmackDown. Oh, but yeah, Jason. Don't tell. No, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I want to just. I, I want to just go in blind. I mean, yeah, okay. Okay. I just. I just want to go in blind. Um, but speaking of being blind, I mean, I have blindly been following our tribal chief for years. That ain't changing. He is not only going to remain WWE Universal Champion, but he will still be our tribal chief. Yeah, yeah. I can't, uh, I can't go against that. How much I would love, and I mean love, to see Jay beat Roman and dethrone him because I just feel like that would be just a great icing on the cake of this storyline this all started well technically it started when Roman beat Bray Wyatt and um, Braun Strowman but we all know it didn't really start getting popping until Jay got into it and he beat up Jay twice choked out Jimmy May uh, Jay quit and Jay ended up becoming the right hand man that made made event Jay Uso Jay has been there since the beginning Roman has been messing with his mind forever since the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just like a man perfect. to be gaslighting. Continue. It would just be. <laughs> it would just be perfect for Jay to be the one to do this, and I want to pick Jay. I've been wanting Jay to be the one to do it forever, but they so stuck on Cody Rhodes being the one to dethrone him, which I have no problem with. It sounds like you got I a really problem with like- it. I like Cody Rhodes, I really do. And like, but you know, you know how I feel. Even though you don't agree, I feel like he should have did it at WrestleMania if you wanted him to be the one to do it. But well, I, one thing I will say, ever since Roman won, it's been a crazy, great in a good way, crazy storyline still. So it turned out perfect. You know, like I said, you chose Roman at WrestleMania. So 
No, no, no. You wanted to. That's what it was. You wanted yeah, to. and I was but, uh, so sick that I didn't follow my first mind. And for that, I yeah, still I, apologize, hey, my hey, tribal chief. I'm putting it on the record book, everybody. She, she wanted to choose Roman. She did. It was. I don't know if it was my fault. She didn't. I don't know. But you know, you know, we we, we lost together. That's all that matters. I mean, uh, I think I won we Royal together. WrestleMania. So. <laughs> I'm just talking about on that match. Oh, you know? well, sure. But, uh, see, look, Zoo, you always trying to look at the whole piece of the pie. We got to slice together. You going, you, you know what? Nope, not going to get into it. But, uh, Roman's going to win. I'm choosing Roman, but I really want Jay to win so bad. It was, But he's not. He's not. And it's, it's going to hurt me watching him lose. Like, he deserves it. Like, does, does he, do, do he not deserve it? I mean, he deserved it, but I think in wrestling, what we have to understand is there are so many people who deserve so much and they have not gotten it. That's facts. That's facts. But at the same time, that person deserves it and make it there. Like Kofi. Kofi always be a great example. Mm. Kofi held the belt. Like I know he wasn't the best title runner and like that, and I didn't expect it to be the best title runner anyway. But the fact that he he was able to win the WWE Championship was amazing. It was strictly off of just fans pushing him. Daniel Bryan made it. You know, I just, you know, but uh, my question, we both got Roman. Uh, I don't want to stay on it too long. It's, it's hurting my heart. How do you think Roman's going to win? Now, I have, a, I have a counter to that question because I don't know where I saw it. It might be on Twitter or whatever, but I don't think this is going to happen personally, but yeah. is there a reality where Jimmy could cost Jay the match? Um, if he does, I don't think it would be on purpose. I think he might come out there trying to help, and maybe Jimmy takes out Solo. Then they both, because uh, well, I, I, I'm not going to say what the rules are. You want to come in, but, uh, you know, Jimmy helps Jay. They super kick him. Just like on Money in the Bank, Jay jumps on him, does the Uso, is it, Uso Slash or something like that. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't think of the name. And um, Roman ends up kicking out, shocking Jay. Then maybe Solo comes back in the picture, hurts Jay, I mean, hurts Jimmy. Jay comes and stops Solo. Then maybe Jay hops back in the ring. Roman super punches, Superman punches him or spares him. Stuff like that. So Jimmy could cause him, but not like, I don't think it would be on purpose. I don't see no reason for Jimmy to call something on purpose. I could see him doing it on purpose because, if not for any other reason, but if Jay loses this match, what does Jay do next? Yeah, I mean, that's a good reason. I mean, that's a good point. And then maybe, I, I don't see Jimmy making him lose it on purpose. But if he if Jay loses it, I feel like Jimmy could probably come back and be like, dog, he injured me. You couldn't even handle him. You couldn't even get the gig back. You know, you couldn't even... Um, cause Jay been all Jay been saying is I gotta get you. You you put my you put my brother in the hospital. I gotta get you. And it's like Jim can always say when he loses, you didn't even get him for me. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, I, and I, I've always wanted to see you know the Usos go against each other one on one. And the I don't, I don't think that's ever happened. Apparently they they want to have a feud against each other. This could this I mean, could set that, that up. I mean, I well. That could easily set it up. You're right. Now, if I had to choose, was this is not going to happen, but if it was my choice, I would have loved for Jay to win, and then I have a few because of that. Because Jimmy could be like, well, you know, yeah, you got there and won, but don't forget, technically, even though you pinned Roman, I was in that match. I helped you beat Roman, and I think I deserve a chance and make a feud over the belt. That's not going to happen. That's the way I would want it to happen. No, I but, think. Um, 
but uh, I mean, I can see that, but I just don't see the reason right now. I don't see a reason why Jimmy would cause Jay. I don't. By accident. Yeah, I can't think of like a storyline reason because it wouldn't make sense for Jimmy to go back to the bloodline or like go back with Roman and Solo. It so. So I could see it happening in the sense of you need to find another feud for Jay because he can't feud Roman forever. You kind of have to move on at some point. Because I think after this, especially because it is a tribal combat match and it's like being so hyped up, you can't really... The only way you can go from here is down. Yeah, you're so, right. So in that retrospect, I could see it happening. But I logically, like if I'm putting on my... My creative, my uh, booking hat. I don't. I, I can't think of a reason I make that happen. But I think. Uh, so, question real quick. Um, so I'm pretty sure you've been writing it down. How many matches have we not agreed on? We have not agreed on. Uh, one, two, three, three matches. Mm. And then, I'm gonna make it four. I'm changing. I'm gonna put my heart in this. I'm choosing Jay. Okay. I mean, you're going to be wrong, but all right. No, no, I'm going to be right. I'm going to be right. Okay. I was right about Oscar, and, it, and you probably were the only one that thought I was wrong. Yeah, everybody else was choosing Bianca, and Oscar ended up winning, so. Yeah, and that's nice, but okay. Well, hey, whatever makes you feel good about yourself. Well, since we are no, now. When Jay win, and I come back on here, she ain't, she ain't going to be here. She ain't have nothing to say. No, yes, I will. I will give you your props. If I don't do nothing, I will give you your, your credit and tell you you were right. I wouldn't be mad if you were right. Oh, I wouldn't be mad if you were right. I just wouldn't. That'd be interesting. That'd be fascinating to see. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down with the ship. I'm on the J ship. I'm going to go down. Hey, I love it. Hey, loyalty is important. Um, But yeah, so because, and we also have to get Ethan's picks, which we will get. Um, Again, we're recording this on Monday. We're recording the main show on um. Wednesday, so you know, be all good for that. Um, anyway, tiebreaker time. <laughs> Who takes the loss in the triple threat? I've already pretty much ex- explained this. I think Oscar takes the loss because Charlotte wins and because Bianca, you know, all that. Just, I already went into that. I got Oscar taking the loss. Okay, so I mean, you never went with Oscar taking the pin. Was uh, uh, who gets pinned, right? Pinned or submitted, yeah. Who takes I mean, the loss? I mean, you ain't never said you thought Oscar was gonna take the pin or submission. You never said that. Part. Yes, I did. I mean, you got You got okay. Well, I I don't. I didn't remember you saying that. But I know you had Oscar losing. I mean, technically, like, I had I, Oscar and Bianca losing, but I got Oscar taking the pin. See, that's the, I, I never remember hearing you saying her taking the pin for a submission. Yeah, no, because okay. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm going to run through it again because I said Charlotte was going to take the win because Bianca was going to do something that made it seem like she knocked out Oscar. She was going to get the pin. Charlotte comes in and says, get out my face. She gets the dub. And then Bianca's like, yeah, screw that. Uh, she hits a KLD on Charlotte. EO comes in, cashes in. You're right. You're right. That's on me. That's on me, everybody. She's going to probably say I don't listen, but I do. I just We talked about that subject a long time. Yeah. It's all good. I'm not even going to say nothing else. It's all good. <laughs> okay, well, this is a tough one because I do have Oscar winning, so that's tough. I have to choose between Bianca or Charlotte, which is very tough. Um, I am gonna say Charlotte takes the pin. So we're just on a difference. We're just on different sides of the spectrum. Hey, Bianca, technically that means, baby girl, you didn't lose, but you didn't yeah. win. Exactly. 
Ain't nothing wrong with that. So you can't, you can't second place girl, which is first to lose. But uh, no, no, don't you ever say that. Bianca Belair is the EST of WWE. She don't take second place to nobody. I freaking love Bianca, but uh, she didn't take second place to nobody either. She can take second place to Charlotte. I mean, uh, Austin. But uh, no, cap, uh, cap, big cap, big cap, big cap, big cap. I'm gonna do the same way you did it. Um, I feel like at the end they're gonna take out Oscar and Charlotte and Bianca. Yeah, I said that right. I think one gonna go at each other, going at each other. I feel like Bianca's gonna mess around and get the upper hand on Charlotte, do the KOD, and I don't know if Oscar's gonna come in with the miss or something. But some way she's gonna knock out or move, get get Bianca out of there, and she's gonna pin Charlotte, and that's gonna set up Bianca's hand. The only reason I lost because I knocked your butt out. You were the one that got pinned. Because I mean, Oscar pinning, Oscar pinning Charlotte because of Bianca would be amazing. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but we see. Um, we talk about we will see. We talk about that match a lot, and it'd be so <laughs> crazy if neither of us were right and Bianca won. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! There'll be a big smack to both of us. Oh no! I'll be happy. I will no, never I'll be, be mad about Bianca Belair winning a match. Whoever wins, I'm a, a, it, like yeah. Granted, I chose Oscar and I said my reasons, but whoever wins, I would not be mad. Yeah, I'm good I like either all way. I like all three of them, and uh, shoot, all of them deserve it. You know what I mean? So, how far is um, Charlotte away from breaking the record? She she wins this, and she breaks the record. She's at 16 right now. Yeah, so, like, you know, all of them deserve it. Um, and she's, I, like I said, I'm picking Oscar, but, I mean, whoever, if Bianca walked out or Charlotte walked out, I, I, it's not the end of the world for me. No. <laughs> I, I look, I'm good. I would love... Everybody knows I love Charlotte. She's my all-time favorite women's wrestler. Everybody knows I love me some Bianca Belair. She's been my favorite current women's wrestler for the past at least year and a half, almost two years. And Asuka yeah. is just a bad mama jamma. And I'm still scared yeah, of her a little bit. Her. Yeah, I'm scared of her. I just <laughs> So, ain't going to be no problems for me. Okay, also. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Asuka knock people out. I'm pretty sure, the, I'm pretty sure Bianca could knock I'm not saying Bianca couldn't. But that's my sister. We good. Okay. 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 We, we, we okay. Oscar, I don't know. I don't know if she like me like that. I like Oscar. Remember, that's my name. Oh, Oscar's great. Name. That's my Oscar. name, remember? No. You got a few of them. All right. Um. All right. <laughs> Embryo, thank you so much for doing these SummerSlam predictions with me. It is always a blast and a half when I get to hear your beautiful voice. And get to talk wrestling with you. And hopefully we can talk wrestling in person in a couple months when you come with me to see Fastlane. Woo! Yes, 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 yes. Hopefully so. Happy to hear your voice. Love hearing your voice. Happy knowing you're safe. It's always fun being on this podcast. I love it. And to all the fans, until next time, everybody be safe. Wish everybody the best. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No, we... no, 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 no hot takes or nothing. Okay. But uh, I guess I will say if they do do the new Hurt Business, I hope MVP and almost is in it too. That's it. It will be quite fascinating. I'm excited to see what happens with the new Hurt Business um, because it's been a while since we've seen Bobby and I love the Street Profits, but they could use a little bit of a little mm. Mm-hmm. So... You got to get the enforcer there and almost can be the enforcer. Yeah, and you know, you got Montez being the pretty boy. Um... Bobby's the brains of the outfit. Angelo well, Dawkins. MVP in there. MVP, I guess, would be. Well, I guess MVP would be like the talker. I got to talk about the people who are there right now. Yeah, you weren't. Angelo Dawkins. I mean, right now, unless 
almost does join. I mean, Angelo Dawkins is the enforcer right now because he's the Angelo's the enforcer. Uh, Pretty Boy is Montez, and then the brains is Bobby. Now, one thing I will say, let's say all five of them get in together, it'd be very interesting with the bloodline breaking up, which Bobby wouldn't win. But if Bobby showed up with all his team and it's just Solo and Roman, like Roman, you don't got no team anymore. You just don't want Cody Rhodes to win. <laughs> I, 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 know, I, no, look, I like Cody Rhodes. I, I would rather and, see Bobby as champion than Cody Rhodes, too. It's just funny. How I see, I, all I'm saying is... It's okay. Cody's speak your truth. Cody could have been... Cody and Seth had, had their feud. And even though Cody got injured, Seth still attacks him when he was injured and saying, I'll be back, I'm injured, blah, blah, blah. Seth attacked him and still hurting him even more. It'll be way more better storyline-wise for Cody to want to get Seth. Like, Seth, I, I beat you three times, tore my pet, and beat you with that. Then after I was leaving to go get surgery and all that, you attacked me and beat the crap out of me. Even though you knew I was injured, it would make more sense for him to go out to Seth than going a whole year, oh, no, I'm a fit. Then they say trying to finish the story. Technically, the belt that his father never won is retired now. It's a brand-new belt, even though Paul still walks with it. Like, if the belt is retired, so how is he really finishing the story? Because it still sense. his father never won a world championship. That's what I'm saying. And neither has he. It would make more sense against Seth. It would make more sense. He's on Raw. If y'all want to do that, y'all should have kept put him on SmackDown. Who but, said you know, he won't whatever. end up on SmackDown? You said what? Who he said? probably will. He probably will, but they already did the draft, so what? He's going to win the Rumble again? I, and then, I mean... I I mean, I'm just saying, it's, I, I want to see Cody as a champion. I like Cody. I really do. But at the same time, it's like Bobby and Jay are on SmackDown. And Jay, I, I, I say more Jay. I choose between Bobby and Jay. I really say Jay because Jay is better with the storyline purposes. Mm-hmm. But we all know how much I feel about Bobby. Yeah, that's your but man. I'm just saying, like, to go a whole extra year of Roman, like, and I have no problem seeing Roman as champion either. I like Roman. But uh, him going a whole extra year just to say to finish the story is like, like yeah, I mean, y'all could have just—I don't know. It's, it's weird to me, but you know, I, I'm not gonna say I don't like the run. I, I love it. I mean, so. Friendly reminder: He said he wasn't gonna leave with no hot takes. All right, thank you guys so much. Right, right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, by the time you guys hear this, this will be merged with the main show, so you'd have heard Ethan sauce on everything. Football is back, baby. Thursday, uh, Hall of Fame game. Very, very excited to watch that, talk about that. Again, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, be sure to support the X Report. Um, be sure to check out the X Report.net, repeat the X Report.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow X Report writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast, our YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Please, if y'all could support your girl. Uh, with her work with the Colts. That'd be awesome and amazing. It's free. Literally just go to thecolts.com and like check out my articles. I write at least one a day. Thank yes. you. Uh, so please check them out. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week with more football stuff, more basketball stuff, and obviously recap of SummerSlam. Thank y'all so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.